Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to talk about the difference between a high sex drive and a physical touch love language. A lot of people need clarification on certain points, especially you're learning entire new concepts sometimes, hopefully, in this podcast. And so, um, you know, you don't get to just stop me and ask questions like you would if we were working together. So uh, periodically, I realize that enough people kind of like... Um, you know, need a little bit of clarification on something that then I do a new podcast on it. Okay, so before that, please do subscribe. The most recent subscriber episode was on your dysfunctional family. So if you have one, or if you don't think you have one, that's actually what it's about is, you know, do you really um, have a dysfunctional family or not, pretty much? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's more than that. I really is so and I talk about these upcoming episodes in every podcast this really you know gets to be a little bit you know of a monotony for me but for you what you should just do is subscribe and then you could hear the damn thing instead of me summarizing it in a different way at the beginning of every episode for five episodes um okay so what are we talking about in terms of a physical touch love language these people are cuddly I had two cuddly babies and one not cuddly they come out cuddly literally out of the womb pretty much they either like to cuddle or they don't like this is like a thing and then you know so people will say it's so funny my own son said to me like how do you get a cuddly baby because we had a friend's baby that was a cuddly baby like that just likes to cuddle and he thought it was so cute and he said how do you get a cuddly baby marry a cuddly woman and I said yeah well that would increase your chances you know and um so yes there's a big genetic component of having a physical touch love language that's just kind of how people come out of the womb with whatever sensory sorts of predilections they have and liking touch not liking touch of course culture the culture of the family can uh, make somebody more or less cuddly but remember they're starting with a certain like baseline amount and then unfortunately of course they could be knocked completely off course by anything like sexual trauma or um, negative uh, talk about touch or about sex or whatever so basically you, just like with literally everything else in psychology, you start a certain way, there's a big genetic loading, and then environment can contribute as well. So having a physical touch language means cuddly and likes to touch. This is not the same thing as a high sex drive. Now, many men have a high physical touch love language or have a high sex drive and a physical touch love language. So they overlap. They have both. But the problem comes because a lot of women have a high sex drive during courtship, but they don't have a physical touch love language. So then, and I talked about this when I said, how do high sex drive women experience spontaneous desire? And the upshot of that podcast was they really don't, but they like touch enough that they get themselves more into situations where they could experience responsive desire. Because within monogamy, pretty much, all women over a certain age are responsive desire only. And uh, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. Go back and listen to those podcasts on responsive desire. But what are the overlaps here between uh, liking a physical touch, uh, between having a physical touch love language and a high sex drive? Well, like when the honeymoon stage recedes, you know, if the woman who only had a high sex drive has a, has, does not like physical touch, well then, 
it's going to tank. You're never going to pretty much touch again sexually or not because the only reason she was having sex with you was her ovaries were telling her, new man, new man, breed, 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 in the ovulation uh, sort of induced haze of the honeymoon stage, you know, where your body is telling you evolutionarily to, you know, make a baby with this new wonderful man. After that goes away, after the limerence stage, one and a half to three years, you know, she doesn't like touch. And she honestly, when you go back, you'll realize she never did. She wasn't cuddly. She wasn't kissing and hugging. You know, she just didn't really like that stuff. She didn't really do it with family. She didn't even barely do it with the pets, you know. And so if you're expecting there to be a correlation between sex drive and physical touch love languages, frequently not there. And now there's another interesting point, which is there are many women that say, no, you're wrong. My husband does not have a physical touch love language. He just wants to have sex. Like he wants to have sex and then he's done. And so for most men... This is not true, but for some men, it most assuredly is. And those men are fucking it up for everybody else because those men are the reason that women think that guys just want to fuck and go home and wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And most guys are not like that. Most guys actually also have a high physical touch love language. But there are guys out there, many guys, you know, not as many as have a high physical touch love language, but there still are many guys out there who have a low physical touch love language. They don't like physical touch. They're not cuddly, but they like to have sex because they're a man with testosterone. So what they do is they like to pretty much have intercourse. They usually have a sexual erotic blueprint, not sensual. And sometimes it could be kinky, But, um, you know, then it's just they want their kinky sex and then they're done pretty much. Like they don't also like the cuddling and the touching and the massage and the shower together and the, you know, look into each other's eyes and stroke each other's hair. They don't like that stuff. So you got to kind of differentiate. You got to go back like a detective to make sense of your life. It's a lot of what we do in therapy, you know, is do like a postmortem here on, um, you know, what's going on. And so... If you look back and your partner, either male or female, never really liked to hold hands, didn't like to kiss, uh, they always kind of have problems with how either you smell or you look or did you, were you sweaty and there's like all these like rules and, you know, they don't touch feet and they don't touch, you know, the mouths and they don't touch tongues. <laughs> like they, there's like a lot of stuff going on. Like there's a lot of like, like you just cannot ever just have a free wheel physical experience you know but then again in the beginning they like to have sex so that person is never going to change into somebody who especially within monogamy after the limerence stage is over how is that person going to change into somebody who likes to cuddle they were never somebody who likes to cuddle they always had a million rules and restrictions around touch you know and so It's interesting because it's like how much can you really change of this? And it's very, very similar to when people say, and I wrote a post about this, exactly how much can your non-highly sensitive partner change and grow in counseling? Because there's a lot of women particularly women, who come in and want the man to be more romantic. And quite honestly, there is a fair amount of men who come in and want the woman to be more romantic, um, too. And so the reality is how romantic can they get? Well, if by romantic you mean can they get into a place where they're more aware of their feelings and yours, that they can empathize better, therapy can certainly help with that. But therapy cannot make somebody into somebody who yearns for romance, 
Just like you can't make somebody into somebody who yearns for touch. Like this is just, this is beyond the purview of therapy. This is somebody's DNA coupled with early life experiences, you know, and there are some, some people that are highly anxious or very depressed. So they're masquerading as not having a physical touch love language when in reality they do. But, you know, it's really rare. Somebody would have to be almost catatonically depressed to be somebody who does not like to hug anymore, you know, and, and, or, and, or now remember, you're also saying like, there could be, um, people are saying, yeah, well, they do like to hug the kids. They do like to hug the dog. They like to hug everybody but me. Well, in that case, you got, you, you, well, there's a good side and a bad side. The good news is maybe they do have a physical touch language and you're going to get to where you want to be in a cuddle zone. But the bad news is they hate you, right? <laughs> so there, some bad shit happened along the way. There was many empathic ruptures likely from their perspective and you are the sole person that they do not want to give their physical touch love language to. Increasingly, um, from from listening to my stuff, the people who come in um, are more aware of this. Like they'll, they'll either say like, I have noticed that this person doesn't touch at all, or they will literally say, this person used to touch me all the time. This person touches everybody else. This person loves to be touched. They just don't want me to touch them. And so you got to distinguish between those. Honestly, if you're honest with yourself, objectively, it shouldn't be that hard to make this you know, determination. It's pretty obvious. Like, is your is your wife somebody who lays around and cuddles with your teenage daughter also? You know, they like watch TV and they're like in a cuddle puddle or not? Is, you know, your husband somebody who's like really into the dog laying on top of him and was always like carrying the baby around and a baby Bjorn and even hugs his guy friends, hello, but just doesn't want anything to do with you? You know, it, it's not a, it's not a, 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 you know, cheerful sort of realization to have, but it is an important one so that you know exactly what's going on, you know, and um, if, if what's going on is that they do have a physical touch love language, but they have a low sex drive and they are mad at you then you will not be touching them ever. And you should work in couples counseling on helping them. And this is actually a better case scenario, quite honestly, uh, for somebody who eventually wants touch to be a major part of their marriage than a person who's like, holy shit, my spouse never touched anybody. They had so many weird restrictions around touch. They're squeamish. They're easily disgusted, you know. And on top of that, I think there was some sort of trauma that they vaguely allude to and won't tell me about. That situation, like it's very rare for that to turn into a high touch marriage. Although if you work on things in couples counseling, you might be able to get to a point where they empathize with your perspective enough and have worked through enough issues of their own that they can have some sort of a sex life with you. But they, but if you're waiting for them to want to collapse into your arms at the end of the day, then you're going to have to work on moderating your romantic expectations and um, thinking about the reality of what you can expect uh, fairly from another human being that is not wired the same as you. So hopefully this uh, episode gave you some sort of frame for how you can distinguish and differentiate between sex drive, which is always there, usually there at the beginning, not always, sometimes it's not even there at the beginning, in which case in reality, come on, what did you think was going to happen? You know, yeah, you could work on your sex life in couples counseling, you can work on psychoeducation about sex and drive and desire and monogamy and all this stuff, but you really can't blame your spouse for keeping on being the same person they always were.
that's that's the truth. You can make your own decisions about, you know, how you want to live your life and stay or, or not stay or whatever. But if you if your if your partner didn't even have a high sex drive at the beginning, then I mean, it's really not their fault that they don't have one now, right? I mean, it's not. But anyway, if they did, and they used to like touching, they used to like cuddling, they used to like all of this. And they still like the cuddling, touching with other people, but not with you, then it's a you problem. And I don't mean you did anything wrong, per se. I mean that there's a dynamic problem. There is, there is unresolved issues. There is a, you know, empathic rupture history. There's a lot of stuff going on. Get into couples counseling. The other way, you got to say, did we have sex at the beginning, but we never really were kind of close and touchy-feely, and that isn't how that person is with anybody else? Well, then, maybe we could potentially get back to somewhat of a better sex life, and maybe they could even even understand my desire for a lot of touch, but they're never going to be somebody that requires it or yearns for it or can't wait to hug me or kiss me. That's just not how they are. They were never, you know, they never really were. I did a Zoom event with dad starting over around the avoidant wife. And I talked about this and I said, like, the avoidant wife is never going to be clingy. Doesn't matter, like, how much you work on the relationship, you're going to look back. She was happy with you at the beginning, but she was never somebody who really needed you. And it's the same, you know, analogy for the physical touch love language. Maybe you could get to a place where she hugs you and thinks that that is okay, but she's never going to need a hug. A person who has no physical touch love language, that's not how they express love they don't yearn for a hug quite honestly they don't even notice if the kids want a hug or not and they're a lot better with the kids getting older to a place where they don't want a hug because they don't really like to hug they don't really see the point it's like trying to talk to somebody in greek when they don't speak greek so it can be a real you know mind opener to really deeply radically empathize with the perspective of somebody who has a very opposite love language to yourself and if that's your spouse then you best get to empathizing because it's the only path forward if you want to have a better um less conflictual and possibly even more genuinely connected marriage empathy empathy you got to understand they're not trying to hurt you they are the way they are you know that is them they were probably the same at 5 years old quite honestly, you know? All right. So uh, hopefully that gave you a lot to think about. Please do follow me on TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and all that good stuff. And join my Facebook group if you like talking about these kinds of matters. And I'll talk to y'all soon. Have a great day.